Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, Halo fam? Halo Joe here. Just wanted to thank each and every one of you for checking out this new episode. Make sure to keep it tuned here to Halos in the Infields Baseball Network all season long as we drop content every day. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Also, make sure to crack the like button and leave a comment. Make sure you also smash that bell icon to be notified every time we drop an episode or go live. Also, check us out on our other platforms, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. We can also be found on Apple Pod, Podbeam, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Don't forget to leave that five-star review. Thank you again, Halo fam, and with that, let's get this show on the road. Make sure you check out our sponsor over at 714 Tickets. They take pride in providing their customers with transparent pricing and excellent service. With 714 Tickets, you don't have to worry about hidden fees or surprises at checkout. The price you see is the price you pay. Plus, their team is dedicated to ensuring that you have the best shopping experience possible. And as a special thank you, they're offering a 10% discount on your purchase as well as entering you in a drawing for a free Halo's jersey. Also, 5% cash back on your purchase. Only when you use the promotional code HITI at checkout. That's H-I-T-I, HITI. Get ready to shop with confidence and discover great deals today over at 714 Tickets. Hey, 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 it's Todd Fox here from Halos in the Infield. And if you enjoyed that intro, we tell you to go to 714 Tickets and get your tickets for July 1st. $55 gets you helmet nachos, tacos before the game, and good music at the tailgate prior. And then once you get in, you get a Halos in the Infield shirt for free, plus Thundersticks, and it's bobblehead night. And then come on down to Noble Brewing afterwards where you can get dollar off beers, two for nine pints, all because of halos in the infield and noble brewing so that's what's up so if you haven't heard about that we're going to have an, uh, a nice little jingle or freaking intro for you on uh, other stuff but for now i am todd fox with the other host of the show fernando and we're checking in to wrap up the baltimore series which just concluded this morning the four game series that the angels and orioles split and then we'll talk about uh news and notes and what's going on with the halos currently and also preview the big homestand, one of the biggest of the season, nine-game homestand between Minnesota, Boston, and the Marlins. So, Fernando, opening statements. Uh, I'm wearing a California shirt. No, oh, what does that mean? That means that by the time you guys are listening to this, I will be at the airport heading to California significantly earlier than I thought, man. Nice. Super excited to leave this bum-ass state. He's going, going back, back to Cali. Yeah. I actually like Texas, which is a shame. I like, I like the state, but, uh, you know, uh, I, without getting too sidetracked on everything, I mean, you know, you're just super excited to be back to California. 
You know, I, I don't know a lot of the listeners who, who do know. A lot of them probably don't know that I got divorced. They probably remember me saying that I was getting married and I took the two weeks off because of that. Mm. But since then, I've gotten divorced and now life in Texas has completely fallen apart. So I'm going back to where it all started, to California. And that includes a trip to the Big A with the Hitty Crew. There you go. See, Fernando was like, man, how can I be one of your good friends, Todd? And I said, well, first you have to have a divorce. And he's like, I got you. So yeah, got now- you, fam. Now we're practically family. So. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. That solidified it. That's what it was. It was. That's all that was missing. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad that I uh, that I I got the final Infinity Stone. <laughs> yeah. You should see this. You should see his big ass glove with all those stones. But uh, yeah, he's yeah. achieved it. He's achieved it. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're ba- He's gonna be back in Cali. He's gonna be uh, be at one of the games here coming up soon. Maybe a couple of them. And uh, maybe you can have a chance to hang out uh, at the brewery with us, too, because we got to check that spot out before we actually do our live there. So we've got a big live coming up here soon, too. Yeah, super excited for that. And uh, maybe I'll brave and try this, uh, was it a Captain Crunch or Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Yeah, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. The IPA, that's what it is. It's either that one or the Cocoa Puffs. The Cocoa Puffs is pretty good. I'm not a big chocolate guy. For for a chocolate beer, it wasn't bad. It wasn't it wasn't too uh, too sugary. That's for sure. There you go. Todd's a Todd's a dessert drinker now. He's like, <laughs> it, uh, he's like swishing in his mouth. That tastes uh, I, I a slight taste of uh, chocolate, and uh, I can taste the cinnamon drizzle. Exactly. <laughs> well, baseball. Yeah, let's get to, let's get to baseball. <laughs> let's talk about that game one matchup there with Baltimore. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Again, the Angels starting a series with a W. Uh, well, that's kind of been the trend, right? At this point, we should just accept it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Angels uh, had Otani on the bump, and uh, that was the day he almost hit for the cycle. Mm-hmm. He was, what was it, a double shy of the cycle? Yeah, he had two singles, a uh, triple, and a homer. Yep. Yeah, and he was also pitching that day. He pitched seven innings. He gave up five runs, and they were all earned. Now, are you at all concerned about Otani's earned run amount over the last month? Uh, not too much. But I know Supra on the post game show. He's like really into stats and and really watching Otani. That's his favorite player. And I bring him up because he said his all his other pitchers uh, pitches are are really have have been kind of unhittable. But that sweeper has been getting crushed and uh, the majority of his home runs have been given up by a sweeper. He now has eight home runs given up this season and he has 22 walks um, compared to 44. He had in 2021 and 2022. So his, his walks and his home runs are up a bit and uh, it's a little concerning, um, but uh, I think he's going to work through it. Uh, to me, the crazy thing is in his last three starts, he's given up a combined 12 earned runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not what you expect out of a guy like Otani. No, we would we would expect that out of Tyler Anderson, but we wouldn't expect yeah. that out of Otani. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now, you know, I'm not saying this is a, a situation where Shohei Otani, you know, he's a DFA candidate or anything crazy like that. You know, I'm not giving him the grill master treatment. But what I am saying here is that we're in a situation where we do have to keep our eye on Otani. Now, what does that entail? Maybe nothing crazy, but it's proving that he's human, mm-hmm. right? Because he started off the year incredibly on the mound. 
Yeah, it's sub two ERA. I mean, the guy was pitching phenomenal. Uh, but I think right now you're seeing the road trip kind of affect him a little bit, um, you know, and then also here at uh, Anaheim Stadium uh, before they left, he, he gave some long balls to a good hitting team too. So um, that's why I think this, you know, the next start coming home here, uh, it's going to, you know, against the Twins, let's see what he does. And uh, I think he's going to face the Marlins too, right? So he's going to get two starts out of this uh, homestand. So... Yeah, uh, I think he might be pitching the Saturday game against the Marlins. If I'm just, just off the top of my head, um, I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. But in his last seven games pitched, he has a record of four and one with a 3.95 ERA, and in 41 innings has given up 18 earned runs. Yeah, it's kind of high. Yeah, the strikeout rate still high, but uh, the earned runs is definitely something to keep our eye on. It is. It is. Um, you know, again, he's pitching for a huge contract, whether he wants to say it or not. He's pitching for a new home or to stay here, whatever you, you, your take is on it. But uh, I think he'll redefine himself. He'll get back into a, a really good focus and mode, and I think he'll be all right. I mean, the Angels have a, a clear winning record when he's pitching. Uh, 500 or, or worse when he's not so he'll he'll get it together yeah I mean you know this is the greatest athlete I would say if not at least the greatest baseball athlete of our lifetime I don't think there's any way to slice it and dice it no so, what, what you what you said earlier with his stats the, the fact that he almost hit for a cycle the pitch clock being against him now where he has to run back out there and pitch again I mean yeah, it doesn't get much better than Otani. Yeah, you know, this guy this guy knows what's at stake, right? He wants to obviously make some kind of money here this offseason, and he has the ability to get perhaps the richest contract in sports history. Correct. Because, I mean, or at least in uh, North American sports history. Because, once again, if he has the year that he's projected to, uh, who's going to make the argument that he just, he's not worth that? This guy can say he's worth whatever the hell he wants. And it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm the unicorn. And you're like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, what's the argument, man? Imagine exactly. having to go to an arbitration meeting with him. What what the hell can you say? Yeah, well, he's not worth it. Well, I mean, how do you know he's not worth that? He's never, nobody's ever done what he does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, well, this guy just has the most home runs and strikeouts for any pitcher dash hitter of all time. Yeah, you probably have one guy's background be like, "Hey, but Babe Ruth." Yeah, who cares yeah. about Babe Ruth? Yeah, exactly. You mean the McDonald's employee? <laughs> yeah, hamburger helper. <laughs> <laughs> hamburger helper. That's a good one. Yeah. So exactly. Now, Shohei Otani, uh, maybe not the most dominant performance on the pitcher's mound. Seems to have been the trend with him lately, but he clearly made up uh, for it with the bat. I mean, he drove in three runs that game. Three out of the nine runs. Yeah, it was a nice, healthy score. Um, you know, the bullpen picked him up afterwards, <clears throat> and they and they cruised on to an early nine to five win. And you thought good things. You know, like you, you expected an Otani win. I know you guys predicted that, but you didn't think they were going to score that many runs. So it was kind of a bonus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then especially out of Rodriguez, any of these young guys coming out of the Orioles, you never know what to expect. Correct. You know, they're all wild cards. They're all relatively young guys. They're still figuring it out. And for some reason, there's just some games where we're playing against these quote unquote unknown guys and they make us look silly. 
Yep. Fortunately, this game was not one of those. I agree. We needed that one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me see. Let's move on to the next game. I don't know what the hell happened here. Are you not pulling up the scores or it's not coming out? Yeah, it went to somehow magically with one click went to last year's records. Oh, wow. <laughs> we, don't right. need, we don't need to look at that. No, we don't. No, we don't. At this point, we were maybe already working on getting mathematically eliminated by this time last year. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, this was around the time of the Blue Jays series last year, I think, that kind of sent us into a tailspin. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about game two, where the Angels lost seven to three. Uh, this was the game that Mickey Moniak was celebrating his 25th birthday, if memory yeah. serves correctly. Yes. Hit a leadoff home run, gave us a little bit of hope. And then everything else just kind of stagnated after that. Yeah, I mean, you, you saw some great plays by Neto. Um, uh, there was, uh, you know, like the Angels were right in this game. They were looking all right. They were coming back. And uh, you just had this opportunity. I think the momentum was lost when Tucker Davidson went on a roll, let the Angels come back. And, uh, you know, a leadoff walk has been killing these guys. And the next, or no, not a leadoff walk, but it was uh, basically he had an 0-2 count to Frazier, hits him, and Frazier gets the first. The next batter hits a line drive, which on the ground would have probably went to Neto for the double play. Instead, it goes off, ricochets off his ankle, shoots over the head of the third baseman, and all of a sudden you got second and third. And the, the whole inning changed with then the sacrifice and then the two-run blast. Game was over. What was your opinion on, on Silseth's overall outing? I mean, he gave up four run runs and 3.1 innings pitched. I thought he could have possibly, possibly went five had he not been squeezed so much by the umpire. I thought the umpire strike zone was atrocious in this game. Silseth, I was very pleased to see he was hitting the corners ridiculously good, like, like just pinpoint precise accuracy that sometimes the umpire would be like strike, and then others – in obvious situations was like, nah, it's a ball. I'm like, dude, come on. I was frustrated for him because I thought he didn't pitch all that bad. The 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 hits that he gave up besides a home run, um, you know, were little bloopers off the end of the bats. All right. Now another pitcher I wanted to bring up to you is Tucker Davidson. Started off the year really well, very strong outings coming out of the bullpen early on, mm -hmm. but has since struggled. His ERA is currently 6.05. He not only gave up some inherited runs, he picked up two on runs himself. Tucker Davidson, is he cooked? I don't think so. I think he was just left out there too long. I, I don't think we're going to see the Tucker Davidson starter that we all thought maybe he could turn into be. I think he's more of the long relief guy, two to three inning guy. Um, not much more than that. I think we try to squeeze him a little bit too much in this game, and that's what cost him. But, I mean, the first two innings he was out there, he looked pretty dominant again. Uh, I thought he he was charged for, I think, seven runs in that Texas game um, when, when I was honking it up a couple weeks ago. So I think that's where most of his ERA came from. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to pull that up. That was the day where you were Halo Honk the Clown? And yes. Yeah. We were, uh, that inning took like an hour. He was he, Nevin let him out there to roast by himself. Yeah, Nevin likes to do that. He yeah. likes to uh, just routinely leave players out there to dry. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so uh, unfortunately for him, let's see. So in his last seven games, 12 innings pitched, 
he has given up a combined 11 earned runs. And yeah, one of those was the 0.2 innings for seven earned runs against the Rangers. Yeah, because that game was like three to nothing when he came in. And then <laughs> he just opened the door. So yeah, the floodgates opened with him. Yeah, exactly. So not too much to talk about uh, in terms of this game. I mean, yeah, the offense was able to scrounge together three runs, but uh, overall, a pretty overall flat performance, if I, I do say so myself. Can I get your opinion on Cano, the the uh, setup guy for the Orioles? How good do you think that dude is? Uh, I did not get a watch of this game. I was playing a uh, I was playing my adult league game that night. But you saw so, the the next night though, right? Yesterday's game. Uh, I did get to see segments of yesterday's game, but I do not think I got to watch Canel. I know oh. Felix Bautista is a pretty decent reliever. I know in this se- series he got roughed up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, right with the last game, was that Bautista? Yes. But uh, yeah, I-, I didn't get to watch Cano too much. But I mean, with an ERA of zero point zero zero. Yeah, he. This it was just weird because he throws nothing above your. It looks like there's nothing above the knees. It is all in the bottom half of the the strike zone, and then it's either going to go straight and hit the strike zone, or it's just below, and you're just going to whiff at stuff at your feet. I mean, they they just could not touch him in this in those uh, six outs that they had a shot at him. Yeah, well, he only pitched an inning this outing, and he only struck out one. No, but, but I mean, uh, like, I mean the the between the two uh, yesterday and the day before that one, yeah. Do you think Cano has the ability there to uh, to be a solid major league reliever, or do you think you know it's just the Angels making these no names look good as per usual? Well, well, usually I'd say per usual, but this guy's also shut everyone else down. He's looking like they're Frankie Rodriguez, basically. He's just coming out there and he's he's unhittable right now. Yeah, I'm looking at at his hold that he got for Game Three here, which you know, same thing. One innings pitch, except this time he struck out two. But that ERA stays at a very clean zero point zero, and then Bautista came in for the save, and yeah. his ERA is one point three five. But that's Game Three. Anything else on Game Two? No, it's just that the Angels they went uh, as soon as they the uh, Mount Kessel hit that home run, the momentum was gone from the comeback, and they didn't even register a hit the final three innings. Yeah. Um, now game three, uh, that was, uh, Bradish mm-hmm. who, for those of you guys who don't know, was drafted by the angels. He was involved in the Dylan Bundy trade. And for the angels, we had canning go canning 5.1 innings pitch, three earned runs four strikeouts. His season ERA is now 6.14. Now I hosted the pregame show that day. And I had said that if you can get five to six innings of three run ball out of Griffin canning. You got to take that out of a guy like him. Correct. Still recovering, still from injury, still trying to find his way, probably as a new pitcher, right? When you come back from the amount of injuries that canning's had over the last three years, you know, it really does change you as a pitcher, certain pitches. You might not be able to throw anymore. Maybe you can't grip the ball a certain way anymore. Maybe where you normally would have gone with with a curveball, you don't want to put too much strain on your arm. So now you just need to go with the fastball up in the zone. You need to trust certain pitches that you didn't before. So he's still trying to figure this out. At the end of the day, this is kind of one of those games that you have to take out of canning. Maybe not the best. Maybe not the cleanest. You might have wanted him to go six innings, but just not how it played out for him. 
what is Griffin Canning's best pitch? Because before it was like more likely relying on the curveball. Now that you brought that up, that maybe he doesn't throw it as much because I don't see it as much. What do you think is his best pitch right now? Um, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. Okay. <laughs> oh, I was just I was just trying to get your uh, opinion because you know I don't like, think he's really had that out pitch this season. If that's your question. Yeah, that's why I'm asking. I'm like his go-to pitch if he had one. Yeah, you know, like Otani used to have the splitter, and now he's, you know, almost trying to make it the sweeper, which just is not panning out for him. But he also has that overpowering fastball. Yes. Yeah. So Griffin Canning has actually done a fairly decent job of mixing his pitches. Now, he's still in the fastball 35.5% of the time, uh, and the fastball only hits an average velocity of about 95 miles an hour. So it's certainly not overpowering. He throws a slider 33% of the time. So it seems like those are his two go-to pitches. And it seems like the slider out and away mm-hmm. to a lefty or uh, down and in uh, to righties is the way he likes to go. And that changeup, getting guys to try to extend, a righty at least, because it goes on the uh, first base side of the plate there, seems to be really what he's throwing to try to get his pitches and his outs. Correct. I mean, that's that's what you'd like for him to do, but sometimes he, he just hasn't been that accurate, and it does look like a pitcher working his way up, and he's going to take baby steps as we move along because he doesn't have that overpowering pitch. But one question I was going to ask you, because you and James, especially you, were like locked in on making the prediction for this game, but had I told you that he went almost six innings and gave up those three runs that you were talking about, would you? What would be your percentage on them winning the game if you just knew uh, Canning's final um, stats, not the opposing pitchers? Um, if you just gave me Canning's stats, honestly, I would have said 50-50 uh, because the, the big thing with the Angels right now is the inconsistency as a team. It seems like any day that the pitching is firing in all cylinders, the offense isn't. And any day where you expect the offense to bail this team out, the pitching isn't getting it done, and specifically the bullpen. So mm-hmm. what would you have gotten out of the bullpen and what would you have gotten out of the offense would have been my two biggest concerns. Clearly, we got our answer. The offense was very stagnant this game. And there's going to be people who are like, well, the offense gave the Angels the opportunity late to win the game. You know, Trout got on base with a walk. Hunter Renfro uh, gave the ball a ride, but nothing came of it. Mm -hmm. Once again, the lights got too bright for the middle of this Angels lineup in a clutch situation. Yeah, I mean, they they went quietly into the night. I mean, and then you guys also said Bradish being a former Angels hand uh, in the farm system. And, you know, being traded for Dylan Bundy, I forgot about that. So you guys brought that up. That was a good point. And you guys both said that you could literally see him pitching out because, you know, he's pitched fairly decent for them, but he has something to prove. And, boy, I mean, he he nearly went seven. And and, and he, he was looking pretty lights out, and then he just threw it to that bullpen, and it was game over. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. It wasn't like we gave some kind of hot take. It was a very, very standard take. Uh, no, but it was, it was, the trend. it was, well, yeah, but I mean, how often do you not try to go to your former employer in, in any capacity, whether you work at target or you're a major league baseball player and you try to be like, ah, see what you guys missed out on. That's a very normal human feeling. 
Yeah. So it isn't like we predicted something crazy. It wasn't a bold prediction, but it was, you know, something that we knew was going to happen, right? How often do the Angels get shown up by former players? Do I need to bring up Mike Napoli? Jeez. Too much to count, dude. I mean, it could be the most marginal player, and they'll they'll come back and haunt us. You know, like like what was in the Royals series? They they beat us with a game. Um, the former Angel from last year. Uh, God, he was a utility guy, and he came out there and had a great series against. Oh, um, the one that looks like a uh, uh, school teacher. Uh, God, why am I blanking on his name? I'm blanking on the name too. Yeah, he was. Uh, I'll look it up while we're uh, we're talking. But he he came out and he balled out against us there, and there were the series before it was a former angel. Tommy Lastella. <laughs> no, it wasn't Lastella. Um. Anyway. But yeah, people are, people are shouting right now. It's this guy. Yeah, yeah. Matt Duffy. There you go, Matt Duffy. Is he on the Royals? Yeah, he's on the Royals. The game we went to, uh, I think they they lost, and Matt Duffy went like three for four. Yeah, of course. What the hell, dude? Okay. <laughs> there you go. Well, there you have it. But yeah, the Angels' offense not able to strum much together at all this game. Mike Trout hit a fastball that was up and away and that was encouraging. Now that's one thing that I did say during the pregame show, I had said that the uh, fastball, he tends to leave out to dry there, especially in the upper middle part of the zone. Maybe trout listened, or maybe he used the same scouting report that literally everybody has (laughs) and uh, clearly took advantage of it. I was predicting he was going to come through with a curveball down at the knees because that's what Bradish likes to uh, to throw for a strikeout pitch. And Trout is historically good at hitting breaking balls down at the knees. Correct. But the fastball this year has been his biggest issue, but clearly was able to, to come through that day. And he also got on with the walk at the very end of the game to give the Angels a chance. But like I said, lights got too bright. Otani wasn't able to get anything done. Renfro gave the ball a ride, but at the end of the day, it all counts the same. Yeah, this was a game definitely where the supporting cast did not step up. Yeah, like I said, there's some days where the the pitching is firing on all cylinders. And though I'm not going to say the pitching was firing on all cylinders, Canning gave you a solid performance, and Berea did very, very well out of the bullpen. Anytime your pitching staff, which in this case was only two men, gives up only three runs, that's giving your team the opportunity to win the game. And for whatever reason, the offense just couldn't get it done against a relatively not known pitcher. Exactly. And like I said, you let it get to that bullpen, you're in trouble. Yeah, exactly. Especially with the bullpen uh, as decent as the the Orioles have. I almost said the Blue Jays. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead and talk about the final game. Now, uh, James and I both predicted that we were going to lose the series one to three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think even there was a time there where James was saying sweep and he did change his tune and at least say the angels would, would one game. Yeah, we were both wrong. Yeah. The angels tied this series. Now let's real quick, throw away the guardian series, you know, the guardians of the galaxy, as you like to mm-hmm. call them. And let's just talk about the Orioles. If I would have said, hey, the Angels are going to split the series, would you have taken that in any capacity at all? Uh, doesn't matter how. 
Absolutely. I think I'd be doing cartwheels if we took three of four. I know we weren't going to sweep, but to take two of four from a good team like this, yes, absolutely. Yeah, right there. Are they, they are the second best team in baseball record wise, correct? Correct. Well, now it's the Dodgers, but, but yeah, they were at the time. Yeah, how great is it that the Dodgers got hot again? Ooh. Oh, yeah, just just what we need. Yeah, right. Uh, where they're almost mailing it in for the year, like, oh, it's fine, we're going to get rid of everybody, and yet they find a way to mm-hmm. once again contend. It's just I, – I hate the Dodgers so much because they're such a good organization in terms of, like, they somehow always have the right pieces even when they're not trying to spend absurd amounts of money. It's just like, why do you guys continue to do this? Yeah, it's it's getting super annoying, you know, super annoying. And then the fact that, again, Kershaw throws nothing, nothing close to the strike zone. And when he does, he gets crushed. But this year and during the regular season doesn't throw anything and just everyone's whiffing at it. I mean, they're making him look like like prime Kershaw again. I'm like, come on, dude, really? Did you sit on his curveball? Yeah. Sit on the curveball that lays out in the bottom middle side of the zone. Yep. Why Crushing. is it so hard for people? I don't know. I understand he's got some crazy 12 stick movement on it, but I mean, still it's, it's part of his delivery too. people get, they look at his delivery more than they do his arm angle. And I think that's the problem. It's because I think he throws the players off, you know, his yep. delivery almost like shifts every single year. Sometimes he has a little quicker step to home. Yep. Sometimes he does that Tyler. Well, he primarily does that Tyler Anderson hesitation step kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When he's in a groove and he's pitching like with a Tyler Anderson hesitation, like you said, forget it. Yeah, let let's talk about Tyler Anderson. Well, we have we brought him up. Five innings pitched, three earned runs uh, in the final game. The Angels did win it, so he did give the team an opportunity to win. Though he wasn't responsible for the win, uh, he got a no decision. Tyler Anderson, thirteen point three million dollars each year, two more years after this. Uh, are you at a point where you are worried about Tyler Anderson? Yeah, because I know he's a type of pitcher that he should be giving you five consistently, six uh, most of the time, you know, and, and and maybe a seven here and there. You can you can afford a flop at three or something as far as innings are concerned. But he, he's a type of dude that now it, it's just very concerning the way he's getting it done. Like today, uh, the first two innings, I think Terry Smith, because I was listening on the radio, said, "Man, he if if he if he doesn't get through those first two innings." The Orioles could have walked away with it pretty early. You know, he left the bases loaded, I think, twice. Uh, just a lot of walks, too many pitches. And that seems to be just him this year where I don't know if he's trying to be too fine in the strike zone, but he's just not attacking hitters like you would think. And then when he gets a chance to attack the hitters, he doesn't have the best fastball in the world. So it's like they're crushing it or they're hitting it hard. And, uh, yeah, he was very fortunate to get, you know, his final stats were three runs, six hits. But you could have swore he could have gave up seven runs on 10. Yeah, never have I ever watched a pitcher who gives up only three runs and it felt like he gave up nine. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> You're like, oh, it was only three runs? What? Three, <laughs> nine? They feel kind of the same here, Tyler. Yes. Um, I, I have no idea now. The only kind of saving grace I have with this Tyler Anderson contract is the fact that historically, and no, I'm not jinxing it. I am stating a historic fact he has been relatively healthy throughout mm-hmm. his career. So if we're in a situation where we're going through August and he's giving you five to six innings and it's still three to four earned runs, I'll take that out of Tyler Anderson. 
That to me is when he'll earn the paycheck. Is he a consistent man pitching every six days or every fifth day, depending on if we have that off day so we don't need the sixth starter? You know, if he's continue, consistently keeping these bullpen guys from throwing the entire game, he's keeping Jaime Berea, you know, Tucker Davidson out of the game, then uh, that might be good enough, man. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly take it. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe he's the Kevin Apier of this team, which is, you know, Apier never gave you more than five or six, but he gave you a consistent five or six. You know, if, if he could do that without leaving in the fourth inning, like Suarez and other pitchers that tax the bullpen, like you said, then we'll feel a little bit better about this because although the bullpen kind of stumbled a bit, it wasn't all bad, and, and they were able to regroup, as we'll talk on here. Yeah, uh, Wance uh, had one of his better outings lately, and if you notice, he started with a clean inning in a fairly low-pressure situation. Yes. That seems to be when he thrives, a sixth-inning guy, maybe even a seventh-inning guy. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking eighth and especially ninth inning, uh -uh. I think this guy's going to get lit like Katy Perry's firework. <laughs> so unfortunately i just don't think that's the role for him and you know what that's okay that's phil nevin's job phil nevin's job is to know who can be used in what situation consistently because not every guy is built the same way in major league baseball these guys have different mentalities these guys have different ways to pitch and these guys have different ways to attack batters. And the way you attack certain batters in certain situations isn't the same. There's a reason why baseball is notoriously a chess match. And your job as the manager is to find out which move to make with which piece at what time. I agree. Totally. And, you know, what are your thoughts on Davinsky? Because he was the next pitcher that came in. I think Davinsky right now is the definition of just like a misfit toy. I, Cause I really don't know what to do with him. You know, he was, he's, he's shown flashes of being a really cool toy or like maybe we had some cool times back in the day. So I don't want to throw you in the trash because I know what you're capable of. Uh, he's a 371 career pitcher in 254 games. Mm -hmm. Now through eight games here, he's at 3.97. So it's not like he's that far off of what he is. So it seems like the pitcher that you see is overall the pitcher that you're going to get. Um, as of right now, I don't feel an immediate uh, threat to, you know, send him down or DFA him. I, I think I'm okay with just kind of riding the wave with him right now, even though he got his the blown save today. Yeah. I mean, that two-run homer was to Rauschman, right? Uh, Rutzman, yeah. Rutzman, yeah. I mean, I, I have a hard time with that dude's name, but he's a I still, yeah, I do too. Rutschman? Rutschman? I want to say like Teddy Rutschman or whatever, that little teddy bear, but uh, the one that could talk from the 80s. But no, he, he was he's a good split. Uh, split. Um, what is it called? Uh, he's a good switch hitter, you know, and he's got power from both sides, and he just took a, a good pitch and, and went with it, and you thought right there – Oh, crap. We've seen this one again. That's when I was thinking, man, we're, we are losing three out of four. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the ball did not seem like it was in our court at that time. I mean, literally on our uh, Halos in the infield group chat on Messenger, it was uh, it was doomsday prepping for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were we were getting ready for the disappointment. It was just, oh, no, this team's not going to get it done. But uh, lo and behold, we were wrong. 
Uh, Matt Moore continued to impress, got a hold his ninth of the year, brought his ERA down to 1.23. And Estevez, though almost managed <laughs> to find a way to blow it, did not. He did give up two hits, one of which I think should have been a catch by, was that Renfro? Yes, Renfro. But he also made a solid throw, so I won't hate on Renfro. Uh, I'm going to say those canceled out. But uh, he also should have made that catch where he kind of like, I don't know, he tried to like Willie Mays it. Yeah, that was a hell of a play because, you know, even Estevez was like, oh, my God, he got him. You know, Oh, the that, throw, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because then right after Cedric Mullins comes in and doubles too, that would have tied the game up, you know, so. So where are you on Estevez? Do you still have faith in him as the closer? Yeah, I still do. I think that was just the Orioles being the Orioles, you know, never yeah. say die, never quit type Orioles team. So I, I have no, I have no uh, problems with that. I know uh, if you look back at Troy Percival's career, I mean, Percival was always battling with guys that he would put on base via the walk or a hit. So he was always trying to dodge bullets as well. So I think Estevez reminds me a lot of uh, some Troy Percival in him. But I think once he comes home, you'll see a clean save or two, you know, but he's going to, he's going to leave some guys on every now and then it's, that's just him. But uh, I do have faith that this guy is going to be our closer all year. I mean, he racked up his 10th save. That's very encouraging. Yeah. I, he, though he blew that save against the Orioles, at least it was a, a good team, yeah. right? You didn't get beat by, uh, you know, the Baltimore Orioles of, five years ago or yeah. three or four years ago or this year's A's. Yeah, exactly. You got beat by the second best team in baseball. And unfortunately that's just how the cookie crumbles. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm not anti Estevez and that's what I'd said. And also on the pregame show, there's a lot of stuff I called on the pregame show. Yeah. You were called pretty right. Otani home run, or at least I, I, I called the pitch that Otani should be looking for. I called the zones they should be looking for. So once again, Baseball Savant is a very, very helpful tool, Halo fans. <laughs> it's, I'm assuming this is what major league organizations use because the two days I hosted the pregame show, I dissected the pitchers, I dissected the velocities, and I dissected where the pitchers often get hit. And that's what Trout was able to take advantage of and Otani. Yeah, Trout again today looking pretty good. And uh, again, coming He's up. Heating up. He, he, he is slowly but surely heating up. Uh, and that's what we want out of Mike Trout. You know, none of us here thought that Mike Trout was going to struggle the entire year. I think we're all just a little more weary that a a regression is coming. It's mm -hmm. inevitable. Mm -hmm. Whether it happens this year, next year, or the year after that, at some point, Mike Trout will slowly regress. He will no longer be the Mike Trout that we're used to. That's not Mike Trout's fault. That's father time. Yeah. That's Which, how it works. And that's, I think, from... Like if you're if you're a Tim Salmon fan, you followed his career. Um, he's not nowhere close to Mike Trout. But the thing was, I remember watching my uh, you know Tim Salmon from like 2000 onward. Was hey, when's he gonna get that? You know the the um, go downward, and it was always April. He but he was notoriously bad in April, and I forget what year it was when it was finally like midway through May, and he still only had like one home run or something like that. And I was like thinking, man, I think he finally peaked and he's finally, you know, sliding down that proverbial hill. But to his credit, I think he played a few more years after the 2002 series. I think two more years or something like that, one or two more. 
But my point being is like that was my biggest fear with Tim Salmon back in the day. You know, it's like you you watch the mighty, you know, you know that was my favorite player growing up, and I'm like, man, I, I don't want to see the end of his career, but you know, at some point it's going to happen, and you just kept dreading it till it actually did happen. But the fact that he was able to kick it into gear in those 01, 02 seasons, and it was it was amazing. But um, I I know where he's not Trout's not to Tim Salmon level by far. But, uh, you know, eventually that day will come. And I think, you know, going through a prolonged slump, this is probably the longest of, of Trout's career where he hasn't been productive, whether it's RBIs and he's been just striking out like crazy. He's top 10 in strikeouts. So, you know, we we're hoping that this homestand, he can continue whatever he was doing in Baltimore and carry that over into uh, Anaheim because he really didn't strike out all that much in Baltimore, which was encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw him take advantage of a fastball up in the zone, which is, you know, what we primarily have been worried about. Correct. But, uh, you know, he was able to uh, to switch his luck a little bit there in that regard. But uh, overall, we talked a little bit about it on, on the postgame show when I called in. Mm-hmm. This was a good win. Actually, no, this was uh, you and I one-on-one uh, audio chatting on Messenger. This was a good win. After that first game against Ohio, you felt dirty after that win. Yeah. It was not a good win. Now, I think, actually, no, I know it's possible to not have a clean win. You know, some people are like, well, there's no such thing as a bad win. A win's a win. Well, it's possible to win a game but not take the momentum out of it. It's possible to lose a game and take the momentum out of it, right? Mm -hmm. Because you played the better game, but one mistake cost you the loss. That happens all the time in sports. This was a good win. That game against Ohio, all we heard was like, well, this is going to be a a flagship win for Phil Nevin. This was a good win for Phil Nevin. This, I don't think Phil Nevin had much to do with this win. This was a feel-good win for this team. Yeah. You got production out of Mike Trout. You got production out of Otani. You had some solid bullpen outings. You had a decent outing from Anderson. Wentz looked good. Moore looked good. There was a lot of guys who looked good. There was some good defense. There was no errors. You had Hunter Renfro keep the team in it in the bottom of the ninth inning with a solid throw to get uh, to hose the guy at second base. This is the momentum you take out of these games. You have a happy flight because you split with the best, uh, the second best team in baseball. Yeah. I mean, that, that should be encouraging in itself is, you know, you, you played your very best in that last game. You had, you had the lead, uh, you lost it. You gave it, uh, you gave it away. Then you got it back. Then you gave it away and you got it back and you held on. Um, and some big plays were made. It felt like a playoff game, and it was nice to see them go toe to toe with a good, very good young baseball team. So, and that's with their B squad out there. You know how you had a few guys not playing in the lineup. You have a few guys injured. Mm-hmm. So typical Angels. You know they have to play with what they got, and they got a really good performances. So, um, I, I I like what they've done. But you know the last twenty four games. You know they're twelve and twelve. They're the epitome of a 500 team, and we got to change that. You know, that's that's the whole issue moving forward because, again, the next three opponents we'll talk about or we might touch on, you know, uh, Marlins are 23-21 and 21 in second place. The 
Red Sox are 24 and 20, but they're seven and a half games out because Tampa and Baltimore. And then, uh, you know, we have the, um, the Twinkies who are in first place, 24 and 20. Yeah. So, in a candy ass division. Yeah. So we're, we're playing pretty much, you know, all teams with winning records moving forward, you know? Um, so this is going to be a challenging homestand for the Halos. We knew that this was going to be a, a, a difficult month. We, we were anticipating that before the season even started. We looked at May and we said, Yowza, that's a yep. rough month. I will say this Oriole series is enough for me to consider it a, a, a victory in itself. We only split. So we did not win the series. But a split versus the Orioles is encouraging, let alone a healthy split. Yeah. You know, you, you played two good games on both corners. The middle games left a little bit to be desired, but it was a very, very solid way to end the road trip. And you now have the momentum going your way. I still say I still say three of the four games they played really well. But game two, I mean, they gave that one away and kind of just sputtered out. But yeah. game game three, they were in it the whole way. So I mean, you got to be happy you were right there with the Orioles the whole way. It wasn't like the Rangers series when they were here where we stole one from them literally, and <laughs> yeah. then we just got annihilated back to back nights. It was the same thing with the Astros series. We won the first game. But all three of those games, just off the top of my head, I believe the Angels were in all three of those games. Yeah, correct. They were. You know, and, and that's what matters. That is that is important also. Like I said, it is possible to lose a game, yet still be able to get some momentum out of it. Yes. And that's one good thing. Have the Angels gotten their cheeks clapped a couple times by some teams they shouldn't have? Sure, like the Rangers. I understand the Rangers are a better team, but it's a division game. You don't want to get your cheeks clapped back-to-back days by a division rival. Not at all. Nope. Uh, that's what I have on the Orioles series. Anything you have to close out on that series? No, I, I think we wrapped it up pretty nicely right there. Okay, so let's talk real quick about this twin series and what to expect. But before that, if I want tickets to this twin series, which, hey, maybe I will because, you know, heading back to Cali. There you go. Where do I get my tickets, Todd? 714 tickets, 714 tickets. Just go to the apply code and pop in H-I-T-I, which stands for Halos in the Infield, and you too can get 10% off any purchase multiple times, not just once, and also be entered into win, uh, win a jersey at the end of the month free of 714 tickets and Halos in the Infield and get an additional 5% off to your next purchase. So there's a lot of perks working with 714 tickets. 714 tickets. Are you positive that's the best place for a good deal? I'm Magic Johnson about it. (laughs) Well, good. And and what about for the tailgate? Where do I get my ticket? For the tailgate tickets and that $55 special in 237, you can easily just call the number 714 tickets and they will hook you up. You have to mention Halos in the infield for the special, special code because that's the only way you're going to get the voucher. For free food and gifts via Halos in the infield. Yeah, make sure to head on over to 714 Tickets, guys, because we want to see all of you guys there at the tailgate. Now, let's go ahead and dive into this twin series. So, Friday, May 19th, and don't forget, it's country weekend. No. So, grab those boots. Kind of <laughs> ironic that I'm going out there for country weekend. Yeah, right. <laughs> Coming from Texas. I expect uh, you to have some spurs on them shoes. 
Yeah, I don't own a single pair of cowboy <laughs> boots or spurs, but uh... I want a belt buckle bigger than your batting gloves. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, maybe I'll head over to Bucky's before I leave and get me one of them belt buckles. <laughs> so Friday, May nineteenth, it will be Joe Ryan, who has the most generic ass name I've ever heard, who is six and one with the two point one six ERA and fifty seven strikeouts. Yowza! Talk about a good season versus Reed Detmers who is 0 for 3 with a 4.89 ERA and 41 strikeouts. Something's got to give. Does he go to 7-1, and one or does Detmers pull off a miracle and get his first win? Oh, dude, this guy freaking annihilates us. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of Joe Ryan, but I'm going to freaking – we're going to be sitting here in a fetal position by the end of this game. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> he might as well be John Smith with a generic name like that. But still, I mean, like, you didn't Is even Is that the guy from bro. Pocahontas? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a little messed up, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, but, no, I, I, dude – I want to say. Tell me I'm wrong, Todd. Tell me I'm wrong. I can't. I was just gonna say I want to say <laughs> Detmers, but I think we will be in the we're, we'll be doing that fetal position from Jim Carrey and Ace Ventura in the freaking shower scene, dude. It's like it might be a cheeks clapped kind of game. Yeah, I've never heard of Joe Ryan in my life, but uh, I don't know, man. Six and one with two point one six ERA, that and fifty seven strikeouts. That's not a fluke. Well, look, it was like last year when I couldn't believe that Tyler Anderson and was it Goslin for uh, the Dodgers? They were combined something like 21 and like two. I was like, who are these two Nimrods? They're pitching great for the Dodgers. And the same thing with this guy, Ryan. I've never heard of the dude. And he's like six and one, second in the league with most wins. Yeah, well, that's just how it works, right? Yeah, yeah. On a Twinkie team that we're really not paying much attention to. We'll see, though, because the Angels typically tend to do well or do bad against pitchers no one's ever heard of. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't think Joe Ryan's a very well-known pitcher. He's only got three pitches from everything I can see here. His average fastball velocity is 93, not great. Mm-hmm. Changeup, 83, and his slider's 80 miles an hour. Jeez, there's not much difference in speed, so you would think they'd be able to take advantage. His chase rate is at the 99 percentile. So this man clearly has swing and miss stuff. He throws, oh, he's also got a splitter and a sweeper. Okay, well, he throws his fastball 58.7% of the time, but clearly he's locating it well if he only has a 93-mile-an-hour fastball. His split finger seems to get knocked around, and he throws that 27.4% of the time. The movement on those must be really good then. Yeah, I'm going to have to do a little more more research in that. But uh, for whatever reason, I think I'm taking the Twins on that game. Seems like we both are. So let's talk about Saturday's game. My boy Patrick Sandoval, who is 3-2 with 3.22 ERA and 31 Ks, goes up against Louis Varland, who is 1-0 with the 4.30 ERA and 27 strikeouts. Todd? I like the Angels in this one. I really like Sandoval to get well in this one. He got a very inexperienced pitcher. Yeah, it's another young guy that the Angels haven't seen. But uh, I, his ERA is not all that good. Um, I, I really I really think Sandoval is going to get some good home cooking in this one. 
I have uh, something in my pocket. It's a W. I think the <laughs> Angels are going to get that win. They're going to get that uh, that Jameis Winston young W. Lick your fingers like they're crab-like <laughs> fingers. I think they get it done. I think Patrick Sandoval picks up his fourth win, and I think it's a solid outing at that. We're talking like a like a two-run kind of outing. So Sandoval, six or seven innings. Sandoval is going to eat that W. He's going to eat that W. I don't think the offense is going to help him much, but uh, because it's Patrick Sandoval, you know. The well, offense can't possibly help him. The world would literally a, end. Here's another series where the Angels cannot allow a guy who's been struggling to get good and get uh, you know, out of a slump. Right now, Carlos Correa is one of the worst hitters in baseball right now. He's got like a 185 average, only five home runs and 15 RBIs. Just struck out a bunch. They got to keep him cold. I think that's uh, that's one of the um, the keys to this series. Well, I mean, you know, Carlos Correa, in all fairness, got thrown around like a Bonaparte gigolo. Oh, yes. during the off season. Yeah, I mean he had he had three different jersey numbers with three different teams. You know? Yeah, and he didn't put a jersey on technically for two of those three teams. So. Yeah, exactly. This man was at the point where he was going to have multiple press conferences, ended up having none of them. So, uh, unfortunately for Carlos Correa, he had a lot of off the field things. He sure did. Speaking of off the field things, how about Trevor Bauer? Huh? Oh wow. You know what? I, I will say this. I, if, if he continues to struggle, I still was right that he's going to spend a year over there in Japan or Korea. How good? Not not as I thought he was going to pitch his, his ass off and then work a contract next year. But, man, the way he's pitched and gotten roughed up the last two starts, uh, I don't think he's going to have too many teams calling him. Yeah, man, it might be time to learn Korean, buddy. <laughs> time to learn Korean or Spanish and maybe go to, like, the, the – uh... Latin American Winter League there. Exactly. Worst comes to worst, maybe head head up the uh, local Sunday League team. That might work, or maybe you can have them on the A's, your team in there in Texas, man. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you could do the sword thing there. Yeah, strike somebody out. Yeah, for anybody wondering, the joke is because I play for the North Texas A's, which is my absolute favorite. <laughs> I will say I like our green jerseys. Our white jerseys, but like the old school, I hate. But the green jerseys, it's a uh, it's a good look. You got that uh, you got that uh, Reggie Jackson look when you wear the dark green. I do like the dark green. It has that obnoxious Texas flag on the freaking <laughs> the freaking sleeve. I'm like, yeah, it's definitely a Texas thing. Yeah. So let's talk about Sunday. Pablo Lopez, who I've heard of in the past, is two and two with the four point zero ERA and sixty six K. So pretty up there. Against Shohei Otani, who is five and one with the three point two three ERA and seventy one strikeouts. This one, this one's gonna be a close one, but I got the Angels in a three two win. Call me Rally Chris, because I'm <laughs> calling for the Rally Chris special. Angels take two out of three. I think uh, you can't vote against Shohei Otani. At some point, he has to figure it out on the mound again, right? Yeah, he has to. Stop giving up five runs eventually. Yeah, this twin series is a scared sp- a series for me. So uh, I'm I'm hungry, watching this one. I, it's a two out of three. I think I think he settles down in the because uh, that's a day game, right? So yep. Yeah, one oh seven. I think he has a good start. I really do. I do as well. So we're both predicting two out of three, aka the rally, Chris special now uh we'll have to go ahead and recap this series or we'll see who does it i think it might be dominic and david 
on Sunday. They're going to be taking the Sunday show if all goes well. Okay. If not, I'm, I'm sure I'll probably do it with Dominic or something like that. But it when should you, be Dominic and David. When you're in town, you should stop by and we should do a show together here in the studio. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure one of those days I could borrow the car and head up there for sure. Okay. But, uh, yeah, we will figure it out. And we'll have to go get a brew. Where, Todd, where can we go to get a local beer? Even if it's not Haiti night. I know of a place called Noble Brewing. And it's uh, it's only a 10-minute walk off Catella. It's sandwiched in between some uh, industrial areas, but it's got a huge parking lot. And if you mention Halos in the infield, they'll let you park there for free. So no $20 to Artie Moreno. And you can walk to the game, walk it off the buzz, because you can go there and mention Halos in the infield, even when we're not there, and get a dollar off of pints. But if you're there watching the game, here's the best part. Two-for-one specials, meaning after the seventh inning, you buy one pint, you get a second one for free. Or you get two pints for $9 on selective beers. So there you go. All but because don't of people. listen to Todd because I need my parking money. <laughs> I need my $20 for parking. Shut up, Artie. You raised the prices. Park for free. I didn't breaking raise the prices. You already raised the prices on Helm and Nacho. Screw you, bro. Snuckling snuckle pots. <laughs> Yeah, Artie's that cat from uh, Six Flags, whatever, Looney Tunes. Yeah, yeah, Sylvester. I was going to say Sylvester Stallone, but it's not his last name. <laughs> but they have some they have some really good beers over there, flavored beers, IPAs, all kinds. Uh, they they do a really good job. And on uh, basically, every, it's it's sort of like one of those, um, uh, you know, they they bring a new cater truck every night, so it could be a different kind of food, whatever. But they have all kinds of stuff. I know the night we're going to go, June 10th, It's gonna. we already know it's going to be a barbecue place, tri-tip, and uh, all kinds of good meat. So it's going to be a fun night. That's one thing for sure. I'll definitely say like more about Texas. The barbecue here is significantly better. Absolutely. That I'll say. Oh, that yeah. I'll, say. I'll say that for sure. So hopefully you and James, I know James wants to try to come out here in September. So maybe you boys can come out. I think even Courtney was talking about coming out in – actually, it was August, I think. I think it's August. Yeah, whenever Texas plays, count me in. I'll be out there. Okay, okay. cool. Well, you certainly got a lot of places where you guys can sleep. Multiple beds available. <laughs> but if those bobbleheads start shaking their heads in the middle of the night, I will be scared and I'll run out. So just letting you know. Is that a relic, Chris joke? No, I'm just saying if they start bobbing, you I don't know, know. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that happens. Well, I don't know. My, my AC is going all, all day long, so. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they do. I've never noticed. I sleep over. I sleep in my room. So, okay. I sleep with the door cracked. Why? Because I don't believe in security measures. Oh, okay. Somebody comes in my house. My my door's cracked. That's fine. Kill me. Just do it quickly. That's all I ask. You know what pissed me off the other day? I got a text from a friend. This is. I know this is off subject, but this is banter between me and you. But <laughs> uh, but there was a guy that got arrested in Vegas uh, because the gentleman was asleep after a long night of. Uh, of gambling and he woke up to uh another work. Guy, it's called work in nevada another guy sucking on his toes so uh <laughs> and oh, I was, is that I, why you sleep with your door cracked yeah i want that to happen no i don't but <laughs> <laughs> but i got tagged in that and they're all like was this you in vegas i'm like shut the fuck up <laughs> are you actually like a like a foot guy or is it just kind of like a joke and you don't mind feet I, 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 i've never asked Listen, I'll just say this: you could tell, oh, you could, you could tell a, a, a clean woman 
by the way they take care of their hands and their feet. If they're done, if they're done pretty, that means they take care of themselves like physically and also in a clean way. So it's like, and then plus I just like, I like, I hate saying it, but I'm going to admit it now. I like a woman's foot in high heels. That's all, you know, it's, it's a sexy thing to me. I've never been a foot guy, but I will say that the most recent girl I dated who, uh, who I didn't work out with, uh, had very well kept feet and that definitely meets your quota for what you said. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, I've never, never been around a raunchy woman that, that takes care of her hands and, and feet. So. Mm, can't say the same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> But by the way, let's throw it out there just in case she's. A, it wasn't the most recent girl I dated. Okay, yeah. It wasn't her. Okay. It, it wasn't. It wasn't the one who uh, who drives an Altima. <laughs> because apparently, I shouldn't date women who date Nissan Altimas, Kia Souls, or Volkswagen Jettas, which <laughs> literally covers the last three women I've dated. Thanks, Angels, Halo Fam, post game show live chat for calling me out directly unintentionally and just hitting me directly in the heart you did this trifecta of bad women in bad cars jesus dude <laughs> literally like that day dude i was literally just sitting here like every car that people were throwing out and i was what are we doing how do you guys know this i love it you were blindsided but everyone agreed because when someone said volkswagen they're all oh, yep definitely volkswagen, yeah, volkswagen jetta, jetta yeah. yeah and i was like oh well there that's my ex-wife Oh, I, I Kia Soul. Oh, well, there's the girl that I dated afterward. You know, not uh, unofficially dated. Went on a couple dates with. I was Nissan like, well, that's, my, well that's, that's the girl that broke up with me for not telling her that I was going through a divorce. I know. It's like I told you. I'm like, well, the Kia right there. That's my ex-wife. And then everyone's like, yeah, Kia, stay away from those. Yeah, I'm just. <laughs> yeah, that was that was rough. What's gonna be next? I'll never date a girl with a Toyota Camry. Oh, well, there goes my first high school girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're, we're just going to go down the list. Like I said, I'm just going to date people with bus passes, clearly. Yeah, it's, that's the only one that's going to bound to work. Yeah, so. yeah, there we go. Or maybe maybe the one the one for you, it drives like one of those big Texas trucks with the long horns in the front and the dangly balls in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, sorry for anyone whose ears are just blew up with that. With that, just me being completely thrown up. Yeah, it's funny. Because, like, out in California, it's not a very common thing to see a, a woman driving a giant, you know, diesel truck. Mm -hmm. It obviously happens. And if that's your taste, that's your taste. Yeah. That's not me saying anything. But here in Texas, it is very, very normal to see a, you know, a petite woman, uh, especially for whatever reason. That seems to really be the trend come out like on a step stool and leave their GMC Sierra. GMC, you know, Denali, their their Ford F350 or a Ram crew cab. <laughs> yeah, they're they're Dodge Laramy. Like this is just all normal stuff that you see in Texas. Yeah, they're all soccer mom. Like what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And clearly I just keep finding the ones with Kia Souls, Altimas <laughs> and uh yeah, so maybe maybe I just need it. Maybe that's the first question I need to ask on these online dating sites. Uh of the dating apps. What kind of car do you drive? Kia Soul? Nope. Nissan Altima? Nope. Volkswagen Jetta? Nope. Or maybe like from now on, I'll just go on the post game show and be like, hey guys, I'm talking to a woman with a uh, Dodge Durango. 
Dodge Durango, weren't those continued in 2011? Yes. That's a yes. You keep her. Yeah, yeah. That's a keeper. Yeah, exactly. Can't buy a new car. And, you know, she's single, has no reason to not buy a new car. She's a keeper. Yeah. Maybe there's a logic behind all that. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. There's, someone's got to write a book. Hell, yeah. maybe someone's got to start a podcast about this. Let me know if it exists. I'll subscribe. Yeah. Or you'll make Clearly it. Clearly, I need it. <laughs> no, I'm not good at taking my own advice, Todd. Oh, that's right. You need to hear it from other people. Yeah, I need to hear from other people so then I can blame it on them when it doesn't happen. Like, <laughs> when I ask my friends, hey, when should I tell this woman that I'm going through a divorce? It's fine. You don't need to tell her yet. All right, Todd, you're right. <laughs> you're right, Mom. You're right. I don't need to tell her right away. And then all of a sudden, the time comes to tell this woman that I'm going through a divorce. You should have told me sooner. Well, God damn it. <laughs> well, Todd told me not to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh. Now we're just getting off topic. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on audio, make sure to give us a five-star review. Tell your friends and family about this show. That's 40% about baseball now. And uh, make sure to follow us on all of our social media and head over to 714 Tickets. And we'll see you at Noble Brewing. And we'll see you at the game on the 28th. If you guys are going to be there, let us know because the whole Hitty crew should be there. And I think we're going to Noble after. Yes, we're going to Noble after for sure. Woo! Gonna get sauced up, boy. Hell yeah.